Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Jillian White, the head of growth at Aloft, who also serves on the Appraisal Institute's Government Relations Committee and is an incoming trustee of the Appraisal Foundation's Board of Trustees. Jillian is featured in the ABC documentary Our America Lowballed, which premiered December 2nd on Hulu, and follows families of color as they tackle appraisal bias. Jillian, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. It's great to have you here. Now, I, I want to talk about the documentary and your current work at both the Appraisal Foundation and the Appraisal Institute. But first, let's talk about your background in housing. So how did you get into appraisal specifically? Um, when I graduated from college, I was really clear that even though I had this wonderful degree, um, I didn't want to pursue anything in it. Uh, and so with that, it really freed me up to take a look at what I wanted to do and, and also the opportunity for me to work backwards. And so I was thinking to myself, okay, well, what kind of lifestyle do I want? And I knew that freedom and flexibility was something that I really valued. Um, I used to tell people, I want to be able to go food shopping on a Tuesday at 11 a.m. And with that, real estate offered that level of flexibility. But at that point in time, all I knew about real estate was sales. So I went into sales and, and uh, started taking the coursework and I was looking for a broker to take on my license. And it was during that process that um, I saw an ad in the newspaper for real estate appraisers. And with that, I, I remember exactly where I was and who I was with. I was in the kitchen with my mother. I turned to her and I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to be. And so uh, I went, I applied for the job. I got it. And I've been involved with appraisals ever since. That's so awesome. I always ask people how they get in the business because no two stories are the same. And, you know, especially when it comes to something like appraisal, which is not just completely obvious to everyone or like, oh, here's a degree path for it. I love finding out how people got in it. And oftentimes it's like a relative or a friend who knew it. So uh, totally understandable too, how you got into it from real estate and, and loved it. So how did you start um, your work with the Appraisal Institute? My work with the Appraisal Institute started um, right around the time where the first bias claims uh, started coming out in, in the media. And um, they wanted to know exactly like, with the research and, and data that was coming out around this topic, like the Fannie Mae report and the Freddie Mac reports and um, the Urban Institute put out a report, AEI put out a report, um, just what were uh, some of the, the strengths of these reports and the weaknesses of the report and really helping them to, to, to galvanize a message around it. Um, and so my work with them began as I was a chair of one of their um, special project committees. And we were tasked with going through each of these reports, inviting um, the authors of the reports to come and, and share their findings with us, and then um, summarizing it in recommendations for, for the Appraisal Institute. And then my involvement has grown from there. Well, and you had personal experience here. So, you know, you in, in the documentary, I know in the film, you share your perspective on appraisal bias as a Black appraiser, but also as one who has had personal experience. So maybe tell us about that. 
Yeah, well, um, first starting out as an appraiser, I think it's difficult for anybody uh, who's a trainee to go out there and uh, find a supervisor. But I think some of my challenges were were specific um, to being both a woman and and being a black woman. And so in the early stages, I remember sending out my resume and, and there was someone who was very, very, very excited to meet me. Um, I think at that point in time, I was faxing them to different appraisal offices and I got um, an email response from him right away saying like, oh my goodness, please come into my office. Can I meet with you today? And then when I showed up and he he saw me, um, his demeanor completely changed. Uh, he the, the whole interview, if you can even call it that, was conducted from the threshold of his office. He never invited me in. And once he saw me, he kept saying, oh, you're, you're overqualified. I don't see why you want to be an appraiser. And, um, you know, the first time he said that I, I, I had my rebuttal for it, I was kind of taken aback, but I was like, no, 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 I'm really clear. This is why I want to pursue the, this pathway. And then um, he kept saying the same thing over and over again. I started directing my answers to the empty chair in front of him, hoping he would invite me to sit. He never did. Um, less than 10 minutes later, I was back in my car. Uh, so that experience was, it, w- it was formative. And I was like, okay, breaking into this business is going to have its own uh, unique set of challenges. But uh, I was persistent and was able to find a supervisory appraiser and started getting my training. Um, And then fast forward many, many years later, when my parents were refinancing their home, um, and my my mother said to me, she was like, oh, we have the appraiser coming. Can you just, you know, talk to them beforehand? I was like, absolutely. As a field appraiser, I knew how much I did not enjoy it when the homeowners would talk to me too much. <laughs> so I, I selected one comp and I kept my comments really brief. And um, I thought it was going to be a slam dunk because there was a model match that sold a few months prior around the corner. I was like, this is the best of of best comps. And so when the appraisal came back and it was so low, um, I remember my mom saying to me, she was like, oh, it's fine. Leave it. We got the appraised value that we needed in order for the transaction to go through. And I was like, I don't even want it out there in the ether that this is what what the house is worth. And so I I wrote a rebuttal um, and the appraiser read it and agreed with me and revise the value uh, upwards of $100,000. And so with that, you know, I, I find with my family, we, instead of being upset about things, I think we lean towards humor. So even to this day, the running joke on that is like, oh, I wonder what it was about the house that hadn't come in so low. Well, and I mean, that is not a, an insignificant amount of money uh, no. for something that like nothing, nothing else changed. Mm-hmm. So at that point, what did you feel like, you know, did you feel like a call to action at that point? Like, how do I help do this? I mean, you're already in the industry. So you're a person who is, who is, has multiple parts in this, right? I mean, you're, you're Uh one of the people going out, you're doing the, you understand the process. So what did that spur in you? Um, and that point in time, it spurred absolutely nothing because I wasn't thinking like, oh, I have to go in and change this. For me, it was really like, oh, this is what it's like to be black in America. And yet another way of uh, like uh, myself and my family, we kind of took it upon ourselves to um for lack of a better word, game the system and figure out how to get what was due, um, given the confines 
of, of the industry. Um, so I wasn't spurred into action really until the New York Times article came out two years ago um, about the biracial couple who got two very different appraised values. Um, the first one with the, the black wife letting the appraiser in, and then the second one when she whitewashed the home and allowed her, her white husband to, um, to greet the appraiser. And so I remember I was on vacation. I had a friend of mine send me this article. And even when I read the article, I I wasn't spurred into action at that moment in time. I was actually frustrated because I thought everybody knew that this was a practice. And so here was one of my very well-meaning, well-intentioned friends trying to educate me on a process where I'm like, been there, done that have experienced it firsthand. Um, and it's only when I got back to work and so that it was still the trending topic and everybody was pinging me, oh my God, I, I had no idea this was going on. What are we doing about it? And I was like, oh, okay, people people weren't aware of this process. And so then I put out a message um, to the entire company, which I thought was going to be very short, very brief, pretty straightforward. And then what happened is I started recounting um, the incidences of bias in in my life up until that point that had informed a lot of decisions I made regarding real estate. And it was like opening up a Pandora's box of pain. And um, I remember after I sent the message, I had to go and like lie down and take the rest of the day because just so much came up all at once. And so it's with that, um, I guess, like release or acknowledgement of just how much uh, myself and my family had been accommodating um, uh, bias and and kind of trying to um, gain the system versus actually solve for it. With that, I was spurred into action. So what do you feel like the um, at the Appraisal Institute and the Appraisal Foundation, what do you feel like you guys are doing and specifically what are you doing or, or what are they doing to to figure this out and and solve the problem? Um, so one thing that's really uh, like in my crosshairs and, and a main point of focus is how new appraisers enter into the industry. So we have the demographic data. Uh, we see that how appraisers get built, it, it necessarily and unequivocally is keeping um, certain people out. And so the supervisor trainee relationship, where essentially in order to become an appraiser, you have to already know an appraiser, it is not working. And so getting um, reform and change around that so that the floodgates are open and everybody is able to enter in, even if they don't know one of the 1,600 Black appraisers that are estimated to be out there. We we have to make it um, a level playing field and and, and a level opportunity for everyone. I think that's so key, just like we talked about um, how you got into it, how other people do. The fact that, you know, you have to find someone to train you, the fact that, you know, it's it's a it's a burden. It can be a financial burden on on both people. Yes. Like that whole apprenticeship model. Uh, who else does that? Who else is expected to do that? So very true. And then the financial component. One thing that I, I just like really clicked for me recently is I was only able to become an appraiser because I had support from my family. I was living at home, so the money that I made was gas money and hang out with friends money. I wasn't paying for rent. I wasn't paying for food. I wasn't paying for my car insurance or my medical insurance. All of my sizable bills 
were being subsidized by my family so that I could go out and pursue appraising. If I did not have that uh, familial support and that financial support, I never would have been able to pursue a career in appraising. So with your uh, work with the Appraisal Foundation, what is it? what part of this are they trying to tackle? Um, one like really giant step forward is the PREA program, and that is the practical applications of real estate uh, appraisal. And so what that does is it allows a trainee to get their experience hours without necessarily having to go through a supervisor, but more of a simulated processes. And it really, it's wonderful because it gives exposure to lots of different property types, uh, not necessarily the property types that your particular supervisor might be familiar with. And so that's the first step towards opening up the floodgates. However, um, you know, as of right now, there are no active PREA programs that any appraiser is able um, to go into. So currently, every appraiser who wants to become um, licensed or certified still has to go through the supervisory appraiser route. Wow. So we laying the foundation, but still, you know, a lot there to do there, even just on that point. At what point in your journey was the PAVE task force, which is really HUD's attempt to, it's an interagency task force tackling appraisal bias. When did that happen? Where were you in your journey of, of trying to help this when that happened? Um, when, when the PAVE initiative came out, I had already completed, um, quite a few speaking engagements regarding the topic. And so when I saw that this got the attention of the president of the United States, um, I was incredibly excited and I was like, okay, now, now because of this attention, there's a real opportunity for a real change to come about that, that solves for this at the root. I think it's really fascinating to see how this came to, you know, it was really those media stories that really prompted people, like you said, somebody like yourself who, who knew that this was, um, common and happened a lot, uh, to bring it out into the open like that to a larger audience to the point where now I feel like we, we really had a tipping point in this administration over appraisals. I mean, which it, appraisals have been a backwater. I mean, no offense, but uh, you know, uh, they're not always on, uh, on the front page of the New York times. They're not always top of pe- uh, people's minds. So the fact that it did rise to that level and they now have this whole interagency task force to me does seem like we are at a place where we can actually see some action. Mm-hmm. I I agree. Again, that's one of the reasons why I was so excited about the PAVE initiative. However, even as that was going on, um, there were a number of listening sessions and requests for input. I still had this gnawing feeling at me that, you know, time is of the essence. We have to move as quickly as possible before the collective attention moves on to the next trending topic. Um, some of that has released and I'm, I'm feeling, I don't want to use the word relaxed, but feeling more hopeful that this is going to be an ongoing discussion as a result of the documentary. So I think the combination of the PAVE initiative and now it being followed up with a documentary on appraisal bias, uh, I have a much higher level of confidence that five years from now or even 10 years from now, this is still going to be um, a a concern and a consideration when it comes to anything pertaining to appraisals or evaluation. 
you know, the the task force came up with an action plan and um, part of it, you know, it outlines the historical role of racism in the valuation of residential property. And I think this is one of the thorniest issues is that if people are still using comps, which of course most people, you know, I mean, that's how the whole system is set up. How do, how do you then account for the fact that the, the comps were based on, you know, systemic racism so that, you know, black neighborhoods and, and different parts of, of areas were, you know, redlined, were, were definitely undervalued for so long. How does that ever happen? Mm-hmm. I, I think what's happened is that there are two separate issues that have kind of been conflated into one. Um, so there is appraisal bias, which um, typically when that terminology is used, it's pointing to the individual biases of a particular appraiser who enters into a home. But then there's this whole other piece of the undervaluation of black and brown communities as a result of redlining. Those are two separate things, but when you put them together, it just compounds the experience for for black and brown families in terms of their their wealth being chiseled away at. And so I don't think there is a magic bullet for this. There's certainly no um, one-size-fits-all solution. I think it's going to have to be a bundle of solutions coming together um, to to tackle this like bundle of complex problems. I think that's a really great way to explain it. I think um, something that I hear a lot, so I go to appraisal conferences, I talk to appraisers on a regular basis. And I think one thing that um, you hear often is like, hey, there's some bad apples, but you know, if you look at the whole, you know, we can't paint the profession with with one brush. There's, you know, there might be uh, biased appraisers, but on the whole, that's not that's not the workforce. And I I think that some of the Freddie Mac data that we got over the last year would would tend to disagree with that potentially. What what is your take on that? Uh, yeah, I, I disagree. I don't think it's a couple of bad apples. Um, I think it is systemic and pervasive. Now, one thing that I do say is that I don't believe it is conscious bias. I don't believe appraisers are going in expecting to appraise a house at one value and then they see, oh, there's a black family here now going to lower the value. I actually went through that exercise myself. I was like, okay, if I were back out in the field and I was paid to do this, how would I go about doing it? And just like the economics of it didn't make sense. I was like, oh, now I have to go drive new comps and uh, just rework the report. Um, So from my standpoint, I'm very confident that it's actually the unconscious biases of the appraisers that are showing up. The things that they cannot name or or cannot point to. And that's why it's systemic and pervasive. Um, I think the bad apples theory only works with people who are intentionally going out um, with the intent of devaluing Black homes. And I think that's incredibly, incredibly rare. I really appreciate your perspective, not only as someone who's looking at this issue, but someone who is a Black appraiser, who who knows a lot of appraisers, who's done a lot of appraising. I feel like that's, you know, it, it does make you a, a great person to have on, you know, on the documentary and um, at the Appraisal Foundation really working on this issue, because I think that's really um, good to know. So when you think about unconscious bias, how how do you think people can combat that? 
Um, first being aware that you have unconscious bias, acknowledging that we all as human beings have unconscious bias, uh, the ability to do something about it only comes about when you acknowledge that there's a possibility of this happening. So I think that's the first step. And then number two, diversifying the appraiser population. So part of the reason why this issue is being so amplified is because the appraiser population is so homogenous. You know, 96% white, 70% male. Most appraisers are at or near retirement age. And we're in an industry where it is opinion-based. The definition of an appraisal is an opinion of value. So when you have one group of people opining on the value of other people's homes and other communities that they're not a part of. So I think getting a diversity of opinions and perspectives and having the communities be appraised by people who um, are members of the community or can understand the value of certain neighborhood features and benefits, um, that's going to go a very long way in terms of addressing this problem. And I think we see that throughout the mortgage lending, uh, you know, home buying process. So, you know, lenders have known forever, like if, if you want to reach a certain population, you have to have loan officers that look like that population that, that people lend to people who look like them. We know that, um, that can be unfortunate or, or fortunate. So, but one way to, to help things is to make sure that you get a lot of people of, of diverse backgrounds to be the ones making those decisions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what was it like being part of the documentary and what do you, um, what do you think will, uh, happen because of the documentary? Oh, uh, it was an incredible opportunity when, when you become an appraiser, you don't think, and next I will be in a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, it, it, it was just wonderful to have the opportunity to share my personal stories and experiences to a, a broader audience. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to see it yet myself. However, based on the trailer and based off of what I know that I shared um, during the recording, there seems to be a very heavy focus on um, the experience of whitewashing and, and the emotional toll that it takes. And so um, I'm, I'm excited to have these stories that have been in the media and this whole idea of appraisal bias really be humanized. And, and be able to understand the impact. And also, I dare say the level of desperation for somebody to say, oh my goodness, okay, I need to erase all evidence of my existence from the home that I inhabit. This isn't something that anybody takes on lightly. As someone who's gone through the experience of whitewashing, it is incredibly time consuming. And then even after you, you, you put the evidence of yourself back up, I know, um, in the case of my parents, our home never looked the same again. And so it's this constant reminder of, of the exercise. And then also the messaging that you have to send to yourself to erase yourself from the home and, and, you know, is it worth it? And within my family right now, there's a debate of, you know, would you whitewash or would you not, um, and it's just, it's tragic that there, there are homeowners out there who have to make this decision uh, pretty much every day. So I'm excited to, to have like the, the human side of it and the actual emotional impact um, brought to light. And, and my long-term hope is that it spurs further action. I really think that's important, right? So we can look at this um, 
situation in a lot of different ways. You can look at it from a financial standpoint. You can look at it from um, a governmental standpoint. But at the at the heart of it, at the heart of every single time someone buys a house, unless they're an investor, it's it's a place where they're going to live, and it is part of the the wealth that they're building. It's it, it's their home. So I do think that that really personal part is really important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm glad it has a a showcase now for for that side of it to be presented. What do you feel like looking back? You know where you are right now. Where some of the things that have happened, the Pave, you know, task force, the fact that there's this documentary, the fact that to your point, there seems to be a moment where we're really paying attention to this. When you look back, even two years ago, you know, what gives you hope now that you didn't have then? Um. Number one, what gives me hope is that we're still talking about this. So when I started talking about it, uh, doing the first presentations on it, I really thought that uh, it was going to be a very narrow window before attention um, flowed elsewhere. And so the fact that um, there's still this momentum around it, I'm really encouraged that this will become part of the permanent conversation of how can we ensure that everybody is getting the same uh, appraisal experience and, and the same level of accuracy in their appraisals and valuations, regardless of, of what they look like. Um, and then with this like longer runway in terms of attention, I think there's a much greater opportunity for, for meaningful change and reform to come about. Um, a lot of this has to come about, you know, at the federal level, at the government level, things there move very slowly. And so um, the fact that now there's just this a, a additional runway to affect change, I think, gives us a fighting chance of actually um solving for this and, and setting it up where hopefully in the future, uh, uh, black homeowners or anybody who's feeling like, uh, they've been a victim of bias does not even look to whitewashing as a possible solution. Was it frustrating to you to find out that most people didn't know this was a problem? Like when you said, you know, you thought everybody knew this. I mean, how is it to, to realize that people had the privilege that they didn't even know it was a problem? Um, it was, my response was a bit mixed at first. I I was very upset by it. I was very upset by it. Um, but then what started happening is I would have conversations, uh, with, with black friends and even in some cases like black family members and Sarah, 100%. And that's why it stands out in my mind, because there hasn't been an occasion where this hasn't come up. Um, 100% have said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I've whitewashed. And then I talked to another friend. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've whitewashed. And so what I realized is that even though I was very frustrated that the rest of the world didn't know that this was a practice, I realized that collectively none of us were talking about it. Uh, Me and my parents whitewashed the home and never mentioned it again. And so I think a lot of families are doing that. And so if we're not talking about it, then how would somebody who doesn't need to whitewash ever know that this is a practice? So I think that's the strength and the power of all of um, the media coverage on it, because now people are actively like talking about it and feeling more comfortable sharing that they, they have done this practice, myself included, because again, up until recently, I just, I wasn't talking about it. 
When you get an appraisal, um, you know, order, you don't know what the race is of the of the homeowner. You don't, and you may not even know from from being their house. But if you show up and and it is a black family, do you feel like they're like, oh, you know, thank God we have somebody who's who's doesn't have that kind of bias? Um, again, when I was out in the field appraising, this wasn't a trending topic. It isn't anything that anybody was talking about. However. Yes, on more than one occasion, when I showed up at the door, a black family would say, "Oh, okay, thank goodness, somebody, somebody who'll get us." Um, so I think even before that level of um, awareness regarding bias and appraising, there was just this deep understanding that um, the, there were certain things that didn't need to be explained when a member of your own community is entering into your home. So after people watch the documentary, if they realize, you know, oh, hey, this could happen to me, what are some of the things they can do to safeguard against that? Um, I, I think a great first step is um, getting educated. So most homeowners don't have the opportunity to interact with an appraiser um, more than like two, maybe three times in a lifetime. And so I realized that there's just a, a really large lack of understanding of the appraisal process and also what their rights are as a homeowner. And um, over the past couple of years, but in particular, I would say over like the past three to four months, oddly enough, I've had a lot of um, friends and family members come to me or text me and say, Hey, Jillian, the appraiser is coming. Like, like, what should I do? Or Hey, Jillian, the appraiser is coming. Like, how does this work? Um, and so there's just this, this lack of knowledge out there. And I decided to start researching, okay, what, what's in existence currently, uh, for, uh, black homeowners in particular who are either about to, to have their homes appraised or have had their homes appraised and the value came in low and they're like, okay, what are the next steps? And the information that's out there seems to fall into one of three buckets. Either there are tips and tools about the appraisal process and also about the dispute process, but it is created by non-appraisers. And so in listening to that content, I can see some of the gaps there. Then there's a, the other bucket of information that's being put out by appraisers, but the appraisers do not look like the communities who are raising their hands saying, hey, I believe I've been a victim of bias. And then there, there's a subset of Black appraisers who are going out there and putting out content, but most of that is focused on how to become an appraiser. And so once I realized there's no resource for Black homeowners to go to if they feel that their appraised value had come in low and to actually walk them through um, what the rebuttal process and what the reconsideration of value process would look like, both from an appraisal standpoint and also from a lender standpoint, I was like, this is how I can be of service and, um, and provide services, which right now I'm providing to my family and friends and anybody who has my email or is able to text me. But again, given that there's so few Black appraisers out there, um, most Black homeowners, most homeowners of color won't have that resource. And so uh, I'm putting together a video series to help address that and bridge that gap in terms of understanding. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, uh, where can people find that resource? Uh, they can find this resource on my website. It is jillian-white.com. Love that. Thank you so much, Jillian. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much for having me.
have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.